Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana and Arliss. And we have an amazing guest with us today. Kate is an equine partnered life and business coach, healer, and animal communicator whose life work is devoted to the human animal bond. Kate pairs her intuitive gifts with those of horses to help people access their own inner power and connect to their life purpose. She has a master's in spiritual psychology and is certified in equine experiential education. Kate has also been a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, corporate marketing VP, and Huffington Post writer. I am so excited to welcome Kate to the podcast today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Welcome, Kate. We're so thrilled to have you. I'm so excited for this conversation. I know behind the scenes we were talking, you know, just even in snippets about what might be discussed today. And I'm I'm just so looking forward to learning more from you, Kate, um, with your intuitive intuitive gifts and all that you bring to the table. And I'm curious, uh, you know, has there ever been a part of your body that you found to be the easiest to love? I think so. I think it's mostly been my legs. I ran track and I always got a ton of compliments and felt like they just, you know, were long and supported my body. And so I always, you know, always loved wearing big boots and, you know, showing them off and wearing tights and all that. So that's been my, the part that's been the easiest. Well, I, I love that. I love that. And when you say wearing boots, I mean, I have to dive a little bit deeper into what you do already. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot during this podcast because it's so unique, but you must wear boots pretty often in your day job, I would imagine. Yeah, I feel like so in my corporate job, it used to be those more like high boots, go-go boots that I used to club when I was younger too. So it was that and I've traded them in now for cowgirl boots um, or other big muck boots when there's a ton of snow out um, as I work with horses. That is is really interesting. And, you know, we were talking about horses' bodies before we came onto the podcast today. And if you had to guess what part of a horse's body would be their easiest to love, what would be your guess? That the horse would love about themselves or that we love about the horses? How about both? Okay, so I think what the horses love about themselves is probably all of their bodies because they're very functional, right? Like their hooves are very functional. Their legs hold up their huge, like, you know, a thousand pounds and they need their noses for so much. They need their teeth. They use their tails to like, you know, swish flies. So they are, I think, just very present in their bodies and their bodies are their homes. Like they don't judge their bodies. They love their bodies. They appreciate their bodies. They want them to feel good. They take care of them. I think what humans love about horses' bodies, at least what I see is their face because everyone grabs at their faces. They're often, you know, hundred pounds and their eyes are so big. We love their touching their noses. I think a lot of people are very drawn to the face of a horse. 
Fascinating. Um, what I what I really love about that too is um, is talking about the horse's natural nature with just full acceptance and love for body. And I think I think that as children we end up we we start that way. If we think about a baby's body, that you know we're not looking at it like oh you have too much cellulite, you have you know your hair is not the right color, your skin's not the right color. Um, yeah. There's an inherent understanding of the perfection and the functionality of of a human baby body and then we start to add on these words or these ideas about um about what our bodies are or what they mean um and sometimes they're good things right there there are places where we feel affirmed like i'm hearing you say with your legs feeling comfortable with cowboy boots and you know whatever it is that you wear and sometimes it's places where um where we feel challenged to love our body because of societal norms or what other people say. So has there also been a part of your body that you have found to be challenging to love? I think for me, it's probably always been my stomach. And I think there's different reasons for that. I think one, I've always been empathic and didn't know it as a kid. So, and I would take in, and we do take in a lot of empathic information about other people in the world through our stomach, right? That's why people say, trust your gut. So, you know, for me, when I was younger, I was taking in a ton of information from that area and it was always feeling off. And so I've, I've always had, you know, bloating issues, indigestion, like I've had irritable bowel since I was a teen. And I think it was a lot of just not knowing how to handle all that information. And so at times, you know, my stomach's been flat and a lot of other times it's not, it's bloated. And so I've really had to do a lot with food. And so I think I've had challenges with that the most. Um, and I think in society, that's another big hotspot is stomach sometimes, you know, all the six pack abs and like, you know, I look at that, and I'm like, God, how much work does that take to even just get to, let alone maintain, right? So, um, you know, and I think it's a sensitive area for for people. So, and for women too, it being an area where, you know, that's where you expand when you're pregnant, you know, and there's just so much in that in that space. So yeah, now I know of it as an intuitive center and I protect it a little bit better and clear it and, you know, take care of it. And like, I don't eat gluten and there's certain things that I've had to do to honor it. I, I find it really interesting that you make the connection between like overload of information with the expansion of the stomach area. Um, that is super fascinating to me. Would you be willing to expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. So I, I once had an intuitive that I talked to and she said, you know, part of what was happening with my stomach was that I wasn't processing as much as I was receiving. Right. So stuff was getting stuck and bloating. And so what she gave me was a mantra of like my hands on my stomach saying, I digest my life with ease and grace, or I easily digest my life because what was happening was it was like being, I'm also like, what is called a highly sensitive person, person an HSP. So it was like a lot was coming in. I wasn't processing it because I was on to the next thing, which society sets us up for like, go do the next thing. And what's the next thing? And it's the busyness versus really being able to just like empty it, you know, and like di literally digest it. And what I've come to realize over the years is it's like what we release from our body is actually the most important and powerful thing for our bodies because stuff can't get stuck because that's when things fester or there's disease and all of that. It's like we have to really eliminate as much as possible. 
And I've never been a great water drinker. And I think that also <laughs> is an issue because it needs like we need to actually, um, you know, process what's in our stomach. But it's not just physical food. It's also emotion and other energies and all these pieces. I love that. I think that's so fascinating to think about our need to digest life. I think you're right. Sometimes we do get to this place of like, go, 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 consume, consume, consume. But are we actually processing, digesting, um, embodying, or are we just like stuffing ourselves almost in a way, whether we're talking about uh, food or about, um, about information. And I love too. I think it's really interesting that you do work where with your gut now and that you're talking about your stomach being an area where you've had challenges loving yourself, where, like when you think about trusting your gut, loving your gut, like where, where do you think was kind of the tipping point for you where you started to have a different relationship with your gut? I think it's still a work in progress. I feel like for me, it got to that point where it'd it be, so it's one of the three brains, right? So we have this, the brain that we all think about the heart brain and the stomach brain. It's an actual, it's an actual brain in our stomach. There's so much there. I think for me, like what I, what I think about is like when I first probably started to hire a health coach years ago, to really understand what was going on with my whole system, right? And how much food affects us. And I was someone that I could eat anything growing up. I just was always like that, right? I didn't think much about it until I couldn't. And then I realized, okay, I had to make new choices. And I think that's when a lot of us start to focus on our health or our body more is when we have to, like if we're like, even, you know, getting, when I had the flu recently, I was a day of the flu and then the cold, I was forced into my body. I was forced to pay attention to my head. I was so like sometimes the uproar. And for me, that's kind of what it was, is like the bloating wasn't going away. What was happening? I didn't want to have to not wear my, you know, not fit in clothes because of that. So what was it that I had to really do from the inside out to heal myself? Right. Absolutely. And you know, what I love about this is I wonder, you know, if we use the question, um, you know, if you've ever felt bloated or overly full in your stomach or abdomen, um, you know, did this relate to feeling overwhelmed in your life or did this relate to feeling over information in your life? I think that that's a completely different perspective than we've heard before. Diana, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I think that there's a whole lot of um, research as well into these over behaviors being a manifestation of feelings of not enough. So we're basically looking for ways to compensate, whether it's with information or food or any of those things. Um, And I I think of that as like something that we can kind of keep in mind, too, is it's like it's not an actual not enoughness or a lack in, in our experience, but it is a lack in our awareness and that, that, that can lead us to overcompensate in some of those other areas. I think so too. I have a lot of clients that are overthinkers, overdoers, overachievers. I was one, I used to call myself a type A and now I'm like a type B plus. And it's just, you know, cause it's one of those things where now I'd rather feel 
like calm. I'd rather feel peace. I'd rather feel relaxation than before, like this adrenaline. And that's the other thing, like, you know, when we get addicted to the adrenaline piece, we really screw up our adrenals and that totally screws up our stomach. And that was a part of what I was doing. And it was that old masculine higher, you know, patriarchal society of like, go and do, and that our love equals our accomplishments, which is completely not true. And it does stem from this place of like the not enoughness, which I think all of us have levels of not enoughness. That's like a core wound. And I have theories on that, but my TEDx talk on perfectionism is about this. It's like, what, what is this like? Okay. So I accomplished a great big thing, but now what else can I do? What's next? And if, if I hear one of my clients say, well, you know, now what, or what's next, I stop them. And I'm like, whoa, let's celebrate. Let's pause. Let's have fun. Let's like grow your ability for your body to receive pleasure rather than having to go do the next thing to try to fill this insatiable ego, which is what we carry around is an insatiable ego more than enough, not enough. That's the ego. So, Yeah. And this is a great lead into our next question, which is describe one of your self-love or self-care practices. And this could be even a celebration that you practice. Um, we would love to know what that is because I'm sure some of our listeners are looking for some tips right now. (laughs) I love this. I feel like we all need like just to share our self-care rituals so that I get ideas every time someone shares theirs. I'm like, Oh, I want to try that too. And so I'm not for it to become this long to-do list because that negates the purpose. But for me, I definitely, so I actually, I kind of have a self-care ritual, which we learned in our master's program and they had it track us daily and it was too much. Talk about overwhelming. It was too much. So what I do is a weekly, I commit to doing something each week. And I usually, what I do is, um, Stephen Covey's like the, the roles of the seven roles of a highly effective leader. I basically looked at, okay, what are my roles? Right. And one of them is my relationship with myself. So what do I need to do for that? And I'd say I have, I have two that I do weekly and one that I do daily. So I do salt baths. I love Epsom salt baths. I feel like the body needs that. I feel like just sitting in, in, you know, um, some form of tub with warm water, even if you can just put your feet in like a bucket with, with it, it really just helps. It's such a good, um, gentle detox tool that I love. And that's also when I do some meditation and intention setting and clearings and all that too. Um, and then my, Daily as I sit on the earth, I sit in dirt every day. And it is the most grounding thing for someone that has a lot of mental energy, can have a lot of like passion and fire energy. I need to sit on the earth and get grounded. So I sit with my animals and I sit um, pretty much every single day and make sure that I'm connected to the earth. So that one really helps me. It resets my nervous system. Um, and then I love helping people with a joy list. I have a video on like creating a joy list. So every week I actually, that's the celebration energy. I go and I pick something from my joy list. I just like pick a number and point to it. And that's what I do for the week. And, um, yeah, I just schedule it. I just schedule something new novelty and awe are some of my core values. So I'm always about like doing something that brings me joy and, and those feelings. 
I've never heard of a joy list before. That is so exciting to me. I want to make a joy list. Yeah, I'll send you the video. It's a couple of minutes. And yeah, it's like, and they say just do, we did in our master's program. And it's like, make it as long as you possibly can. Anything and every little thing, like even like just hugging a child, if that's something, right? Or um, like, it could be as big as like, you know, traveling to Europe, like whatever it is, right? Or it's just something that... You and then you can schedule it. If you can't do it that week, you can schedule it on your calendar. So you're like actively showing your system that you're committing to joy, and that's a higher vibration. So it actually, I in 2020 when everything hit, I started to study pleasure, and I've just been fascinated by it ever since. Like what that actually does to our bodies and to our mindsets when we're willing to to actively commit to and engage in things that bring us pleasure. So. I love that when you, when you mentioned, or when you first started talking about the joy list without mentioning it as a joy list, I thought like, oh, this almost sounds like a menu. Cause you're talking about lo- loving to learn about other people's self-care practices so that you can draw them in from that state of like novelty. And I was like, oh, this sounds kind of like a menu where you like have all your favorite foods on it or like all your favorite activities. And you just like pick something that you know that you'll love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that that came into me as you were talking was this understanding of like of of pleasure and and connection to the earth. And I'm curious, like, how how did you get there? How did you from that place of being more type A, how do you get to and I, I think you mentioned, you know, there was there was like maybe illness or like other things like that that can be involved sometimes for us to look at ourselves. But like, what were some of the very first steps that helped you get to this place of greater grounding and connection to um, to your sensitivity, to your intuition? Yeah, I think being around animals and being on the earth has grown my intuition the most. Honestly, um, I think that's where you know, there's stillness and there's silence. And from that place, we're in that, what I call like void and the point of creation. And so a lot can land because a lot of what pleasure for me is related to is our ability to receive, right? So as women, we're taught often to give and to do so much and to help others. And like we people pleasing and we forget about ourselves and we're the most important relationship we have. We go to bed with ourselves every single night no matter what for the rest of our life. So I think for me, it became when 2020 started and I knew that I was going to be forced within because there was a lot closed. It became, well, where do I want to be if I'm forced within? And it was on acres of land because we have views of the Rockies and it's 15 acres and it's open where I have my animals. So it just became this element of I needed to I needed to have something that supported me because I was getting less hugs, right? Because there's just the world was not doing that. But the earth was always hugging me and the animals were always hugging me. And I just felt like better every single time I did it, even for just a couple of minutes. So it just became this natural thing where I felt like I had to get on the ground. And I don't love the effects of technology. That's the other thing too. Like technology is so helpful and we need it, but without a doubt, there's EMFs coming from our cell phones and our, our technology. And so to for me to be able to like counterbalance that, I had to get on the earth. So yeah. And I love that you mentioned um, salt baths and grounding because to me, as you were sharing, sharing that, as you know, we live in Hawaii, I'm thinking like, yeah, I, you know, like beach, 
you know, like a natural saltwater bath in some ways. And then also the, the grounding ions from the, from being on the sand and all that is, is something that I feel very lucky that I get to benefit from. Yes. I love the ocean. I used to live in Los Angeles and that was my practice there was to go to the ocean and now it's to be on a farm and to be in dirt. And I think the dirt, I mean, there's a lot of studies now on dirt and the microbiomes and what it will do actually for digestion and everything else. And I swear it's what helped me healthy for the last couple of years is being more connected to dirt and earth. I love that. Yeah. Um, so other than grounding or <clears throat> spending time with animals, what is another way that you found helps you to reconnect with your body when you do feel disconnected? Yeah. So I think a lot of what it, and it felt weird to do at first, but it was like when I mentioned before, my hands on my stomach um, and that affirmation, often it's my hand on my heart. It's just to like really come back to that. You know, we're not these walking heads, which for a while in corporate America, I thought I was. And everyone I talked to in corporate is like walking heads, right? But the but to be an entrepreneur committed to my calling and my soul's work, like I really need to be coming more from my heart space most of the time. And so it's putting my hand on my heart and breathing literally just a couple, a couple breaths. I use the breath as wind to wash away tension in my body too. So like, even if my eyes are open or my eyes are closed, I'm picturing the breath actually blowing to an area that's tight or tense or disconnected and just allowing it to soften and to relax and to release. And the horses are so incredible when they work with me and other people, they'll come out and they'll put their nose right next to you when you need to breathe, or they'll put their nose right on your heart and just blow. And it is to be, you know, yesterday I was working on zoom actually with a client and my horse came and just pressed my left arm gently. And I know often the left side of the body is about receiving and the feminine and the right side is often about the masculine and the doing. So with this client, it was, where are you not receiving? And it was very relevant to what we were talking about. So then it became, can you, you know, what, what can you do to like touch the soft side of your body and open it up? But sometimes touch alone it's like, you know, it's our body to our body. It's just a reminder that we're in the body and we're home. Cause for most of my life, I did not live in my body at all. And it was really hard the first time I came back in and actually inhabited it. And I did that because the horses were like, you have to be in your body to do this work with us. And we live in our bodies and, you know, no matter what has happened to our bodies, trauma or otherwise, like we have, we feel safest as prey animals when we live in our bodies. So can you get in yours? So, and then I just said, yeah, okay, I'm in. And I chose it consciously to come back and to connect. And so if I start dropping stuff or I start getting really spinny in my head, or if there's any anxiety, I'll usually shower, clear it with water, and then I'll go back to this breath or the, ah, I'm right here. I've got a body, like actually reminding myself. And it's simple, but at first it felt a little weird to do. And now it's just, uh, it's like second nature. That, that sounds incredible. And I love the placing of your hands on your body. Um, and, you know, one thing that you kind of touched on that resonates with me is, is when I place my hands on my body, I talk to my body and I'm like, you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're doing a great job. Like, um, I believe in you. I'm listening to you, you know, whatever those words are. 
And when you talk about taking salt baths, there's actually a biochemical response that happens um, because when we're in Epsom salts, the magnesium is actually absorbed by our skin. Um, it's at a very slow rate, but it is absorbed by our skin and it causes a calming effect in the body. So not only do we know that it helps us um, on an intuitive level, but it actually helps us on a physiological level too, um, to be in a calmer state. So that is, those are like golden nuggets. So for our listeners, um, definitely take those, um, and put those in your toolbox. Cause those are really awesome. I love it. I love that you said you talk to your body too, because it's so huge. I like, I think that's just a great reminder too, is like to speak out loud. I, I remember this is kind of a personal story for a second, but I was getting an IUD removed because my body hated it. And now I like not a fan of IUDs from what I've seen across the board, but I thought it was a great solution an easy solution, right. For birth control. And when I was getting it out, it was impacted and the doctor probably should have done some sort of local and aesthetic or something, didn't know it and was pulling it out. And all I could do was just talk to my body so that I could focus. I'm like, and I literally just started going, you're doing great. You've got this. It's okay. I love you. You've got this body. It's okay. And like, I was just like top pep talking it. Cause I was in a lot of pain and the, um, and the bowl afterwards, I was a little embarrassed that I was talking out loud to my body. And I said to the doctor and nurse, I said, sorry, are you okay with what I just did? They go, we love it. We think that's amazing that you would even do that, that you would even think to talk out loud to your body. Thank you. And I'm like, and then she apologized. She's like, I never, if I had known how bad that was, I never would have done that to you. And I'm like, I made it. I'm a trooper. I'm like, yeah, it was a lot. It was hard. I've never shared that story publicly or to really many people, but yeah, we, sometimes that's how I got through it was just talking myself, you know, we can, we can talk to ourselves and that we don't, the thing that's interesting about the brain and the chem, the biochemistry of the brain or the, it's like, it doesn't know the difference, right. Between like, so the positive words. So when you use negative words, like, I don't want this to happen. It hears, I want this to happen. So we have to be really mindful of the words we use, but that pep talk, I don't know. I do it for other people, but I had to do it for myself. then. So I I've actually had a similar experience last year. Um, I had like really bad pain in my intestinal area and had to go to the emergency room. It ended up being something that was quickly resolved and not like life-threatening or anything like that, but it was very painful. And, um, and I was sitting there cheering myself on and, and some of the nurses and probably the doctor were looking at me like, Hmm, wow. You know, like, <laughs> um, and I just said, you know, like this, it's either this or like become hysterical because I'm in so much pain. Okay. So like, I'd rather be doing this. I think that this is more helpful at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wish more people found this super acceptable. I feel like we need to normalize talking to our bodies and not, you know, it's not that all of a sudden we're schizophrenic. We're literally just supporting ourselves. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Oh, I can't wait to hear from you, Kate. Um, what is a, um, a societal norm or body image expectation that you feel like you subscribe to or you don't subscribe to? How much time do we have? No, it's one of those things where, you know, 
So I was one of those growing up where I don't feel like I really was too influenced by the magazines or anything else. I never really read them. I, you know, I watched pretty good programming and I never put much pressure on myself. Um, I think the straight teeth, the braces was a big one that like we all had to do. And that was super painful for me. I had a lot of teeth issues. I actually, when I was younger, had buck teeth and the boys used to call me horse and make fun of me because of my love for horses and having my teeth stick out. And it was super painful. So I was glad to get braces and have my teeth straightened. And there was all that pressure to do it as well. But I feel like I've seen it more and maybe I'm just more aware of it because of social media now. But I feel like I've seen the pressures more in the last few years. And also something happens when we turn 40 where that I've experienced and my friends and I have all talked about where the body just changes. It's just different. And people told me that in my 20s. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to that. People told it to me in my 30s, but it is something to prepare for. And it is something that. it's almost like I've, I've had more, I've had to stay more centered and focused, um, over 40 on body positivity than when I was younger, because it was like, it was just easier back then for me. And now it's like, actually it's a work in progress where I have to like focus because it does feel like there's more norms and there's so much. I mean, I swear everyone on Instagram is ridiculously beautiful. And how did that happen? Like, and how is everyone's house so perfect? And it's just, I don't think it's real life at all. I know it's not, but it was before it was a magazine and I could choose to not be around the magazine or see the magazine. But now it's like, I'm just trying to share things about my animals and I can't avoid it. It's very different now with social media. So I think it's it's changed quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's really interesting um, to hear and, and learn more about your experience with, with that, with social media. I definitely agree that there's a whole lot of um, perfection that can be displayed that way. And it's... It, because we choose to only show one side of life, it can, it can seem like other people's lives are so perfect or like nothing's going wrong. You know, like I I can't even imagine the number of times probably somebody is like posting an awesome picture of their family and then like having an argument with their wife, like right behind the scenes, you know? And I think that, um, it's hard because we only get to see one side. Uh, but for me, actually what I found with social media and, uh, and especially a lot with TikTok, is there is more of that backlash against that perfect perfectionism kind of like aesthetic look on Instagram and more and more people are really liking, uh, people who are very open and upfront. And I think that, I think that there's almost like this backlash, like I was saying, of uh, of people looking at things differently. So I'm hoping to see more of that, more more people kind of questioning the the perfectionism or the norms that are available to us. And um, and I also think that our work, you know, Kate, yours, uh, Arliss's, and mine, is really about changing the conversation, being the being that uh, contrarian voice. Uh, you know, saying the thing that other people don't want to hear, because Mm -hmm. I think that there is a, there is a little bit of like a, 
like a, you know, just a common way of thinking, right? Like a, like a hive mind. And I think that it makes our message all the more clear because it's so different. And people are realizing that like what, what they've been droning on hearing uh, is not quite serving them anymore. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I loved hearing that. I'm not on TikTok, but I want to be. And now I'm like, I want, I love the real stuff. I, I just think that's so fun and uplifting. And then yeah, I've been really noticing lately what gives me energy or what depletes me of energy and to be mindful of what I'm choosing because everything we consume, see, eat, um, watch, you know, talk to, it, it affects us and it affects our vibration. And for me in the work that I do, it's a lot of intuition and guidance for people. And I need it to be clean and clear for it to be accurate and effective. So I can't, you know, fill myself with garbage. And and Instagram is a tough one. I'm not going to lie. That one's tough. Facebook's been easier for me. Um, and that's mostly it. But now I want to, now I want to check TikTok and see the rebels. <laughs> it, it really is fantastic. I don't do nearly as much TikTok work as Diana. Diana is like my inspiration. Um, uh, but I go on TikTok and I watch the TikToks cause I'm, I'm like, uh, becoming more brave and doing that process because people are showing their real life. Um, rarely do I see somebody like completely full on makeup unless they're doing like a makeup tutorial or something like that. Rarely do I see like a perfect image of, um, something that's obviously been staged. Um, I honestly can't other than a commercial for something. I, I can't remember when I have seen it. So, uh, it, it is really nice. And, um, to see the humanness that's out there because we all are human. And I feel like this is a great segue for you to talk more explicitly and in detail about what you do, um, and how you support people in their humanness and how people can get in contact with you. Sure. Yeah. Well, I partner horses and goats uh, with humans in personal and professional development. So we're mostly working on emotional intelligence, leadership, different forms of self-love and self-care by learning from horses and goats out in nature and getting to really experience their ways of being as maps and ways for us to choose and to embody, to be like the animals in nature. We never look at nature and go, wow, I wish that tree was skinnier or thicker, right? We never really project that onto nature. We see the divine perfection and nature is all in a natural flow and a rhythm. And so there's a lot of research on what happens to the body when we're around in nature and also with animals. Now we have the Human Animal Bond Research Institute which talks about what happens with serotonin and cortisol when we touch animals, when we ride, when we have these experiences. So I have people on the ground eye to eye with 1200 pounds of pure power and presence, getting them to open up, feel their hearts, get into their bodies, become present and choose into more loving ways of being with themselves and others. So I love working with women in transition who are going through divorce or challenging times or wanting more meaningful careers and companies that also need like mindfulness skills. So they communicate better and treat each other well and have that triple bottom line instead of just focusing on profit. So that's a little bit of what I do. I travel for it. I have my animals outside of Boulder, Colorado and I also go back to Los Angeles where I was from and, um, other ranches as well. And then virtually too. 
And then also some animal communication. So talking to people if they're having challenges with their own horses or their animals and pets too. So yeah, I just love helping people in whatever their goals are. And I love the body positivity because my mare really, she's the one that started that piece with me because people were projecting on her being overweight. She had had babies. So I just feel like there's so much in this conversation. There's so much richness. And a lot of my clients are over 40 and they are developing like new awareness about themselves, but also lots changing. And so they're, you know, learning how to love themselves on a deeper level. So I just feel like content like this is so impactful for the world because we need to be having the, as you said, changing the conversation and having the conversation. So I appreciate being here. Oh, and how can people find me? I'm on Instagram. Like I mentioned, uh, Kate and elegant equine coach, same on Facebook, uh, have a Facebook group called awakening with equines for horse lovers. And then my website is Kate and elegant with one L.com. So those are the ways and maybe TikTok in the future. We'll see, hopefully. Um, and I like YouTube too. I feel like there's so much good stuff in video. So I think that you would make a huge impact uh, with what you do on TikTok because it's so unique. I haven't seen anybody doing that yet. So, um, okay, you guys have sold me. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'll, I do a I lot too. Yeah, with um, like cooking. So I talk about, and I find that when you share your message in a way that's really unique versus how everyone else shares it, it really does um, help you stand out in the field. And, you know, just as you were talking about earlier with this, with this unique divine presence within each of us, I'm a big believer that all of us have that. And when we're serving the same message, whether it's perfectionism or, you know, like something that's kind of canned that we've heard from others, it just isn't quite as alive and joyful and pleasurable as when we're speaking from our our deeper soul, uh, and really connected to that, um, that gut brain, that intuition to ourselves, to our true nature. I love that. Thank you so much, Kate. Yeah. Thank you. That was well said. (laughs) Yeah. So if you had a closing thought that you would like to leave our listeners with, what would that be? Well, I thought there was one other exercise that I feel like is the most radical to share. And I don't remember where I pulled this from, but it might've been Louise Hay, but it was really, which I love her mind body work and the way emotions are connected to to the body. She actually started me in my spiritual path in many ways. And it was, you can heal your life. That book. So powerful. But, um, one of the things I recommend to my clients is to literally stand naked in front of a mirror and go through every single tiny piece of the body, every part, the eyebrows, the eyelashes, the eyes, the nose, and to just say, I love you. I recognize you. I acknowledge you. And to, to move through the uncomfortableness that shows up when that happens. And when we choose into that radical self-love and acceptance, but, you know, I think there's a lot out there about self-love and self-acceptance. And sometimes we can even get tired of hearing about it. And I know that I can too. And that the personal development stuff, sometimes I'm like, I just want to have a drink and live my life and not think about all of it. Right. And my whole encouragement for the listener is to Remember that you're a divine being having a human experience. And sometimes your human experience is going to be 
a crappy day and that's completely okay. And sometimes it's going to be a day where you're rocking your self-care and your self-love and that no matter what it is like that life changes, our bodies change, our minds change, our hearts change, but to just be the, the center inside of us that is that still quiet, loving voice, that intuitive voice, she's your best friend. She's always there for you, no matter what else happens in the world. And if you can connect with her, that loving, kind voice that has your back, no matter what your day's like, it's going to be better with her as your best friend. Wow. Thank you so much uh, for that. And um, how powerful, how absolutely powerful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for making a difference in our lives and in our listeners' lives. Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful. Yes. Thank you so much, Kate. What a beautiful conversation. Thank you for enlightening us, for inspiring us to really feel into that knowledge that our humanness, that what comes in through us is truly divine. And it is in our nature to to be all that we dream of becoming. So thank you again for listening to the Body Positivity Podcast for body love, inclusivity and respect for self and others. Until next time, we'll see you soon.